Welcome to Reactive. Today it's uh, just me, Khalil, and Henning. Hello. Hello. Well, um, we're just two today because, uh, as far as I know, Raquel needed to take an emergency nap. <laughs> She's tired from all the skiing. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she didn't uh, sleep well last night and she has plans later and so she has to yeah, emergency nap right now. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's totally cool with us. Uh, She's uh, on vacation after all. I mean, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> This happens. Totally <laughs> happens. Cool. Uh, yeah. So what have you been up to this week? Well, um, I did a little bit of reading and uh, found some interesting information. I've known about this for a while. Um, the topic is uh, Ember engines. And uh, I saw that Dan Gebhard and Robert Jackson, who are um, pretty well known in the Ember community, they released an add-on that implements Ember engines. And what this actually is, is um, back in 2014, Tom Dale submitted an RFC, uh, basically proposing this thing called engines. And what he noticed was that larger companies were starting to build really big Ember applications, sometimes even with multiple teams trying to work on the same app and basically creating, you know, these huge monoliths. And not just that, but it's it's really hard to work on um, a single application with multiple teams because how do you, you know, split that up and make sure nobody steps on each other's toes mm -hmm. uh, when you have shared resources and shared assets and all this kind of stuff. So some companies, I guess... Or what he observed, because I guess a lot of people, you know, talk to him and he talks to a lot of people, was that um, they they would actually build completely separate applications, but they would have, for example, a shared navigation bar. So, you know, I don't know, the first three navigation points, main points maybe were, or items would be, you know, from app one. And then if you clicked on the fourth one, you would then not know it, but you would then go into the, you know, the other application. And what that means, of course, in, in Ember terms is that when you switch from one entire app to another, you get a complete application reload. So it's not exactly um, very smooth because that can take actually quite a long time. So you have this, you know, this very noticeable break um, when, you, when you try to do that. But it gives you everything else where the teams have everything totally separate And they can test everything separately and, you know, get their parts up and running. But it's still not, not very practical. Mm -hmm. um, another, another way to do this, I guess, was, or the, what they proposed was to, to break functionality up into add-ons. So have different teams or different people working on various add-ons that encapsulate different functionality. Um, that doesn't really work too well because an add-on can only run in the context of an application. So you can't really develop that very well because you still have to have, I guess, the container application to make that all work. And you still have this, this problem of you know, sharing, sharing resources, something like the, the data store, for example. So what he did is he proposed this thing called engines. And what that is, it's, it's basically... An engine can almost be thought of as a completely separate Ember application. 
but it can be stitched or multiple engines can be stitched together into a seamless single application. So basically you can develop totally in isolation and get everything you know up and running and tested and then you can there's basically two kinds of, of engines. One of them is routable or has a routable concept and the other one is routeless. So a routable engine would be really truly an entire app with its own route structure. And you can then basically say, I want to mount this engine at you know route foo or something in the main application. And then when you, you navigate to foo slash bar, for example, you're actually in the bar route of that engine that is mounted on the parent route foo. And um, the, the benefit of this is that these engines have, you know, clear, clearly defined boundaries and they can, or they allow for clean sharing of, of resources. So you can configure that, um, what gets shared between, between engines. And then uh, routeless engines are something you know, could, could encapsulate some kind of functionality that, that has no need for routing. So an example that they give, or an, an, an example that's in the demo, is that basically you, you could have something like a chat application, and you just run it in the sidebar. But you want to be able to develop that completely separately. And uh, you basically just mount it in an outlet, or you render it. So a routeless engine can be, can be rendered into an outlet of the parent uh, template. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, again, so that you can develop in isolation or distributed and it has clean boundaries and uh, something that they also propose, I don't think the current implementation does it yet, but is, is lazy loading. So if you think about it, if you had a, an application that's composed out of, you know, a bunch of different apps Initially, it would only load, load the parent application, and then maybe if you go into, you know, application one or whatever, and if, if that's all you ever need, then that's all you ever load, and you never would have to load the entire, you know, monolithic application. Mm. So I, I thought this was um, really interesting how, how they even thought about this and, and trying to solve this problem. Here again, you know, writing... Um, or creating very ambitious applications with Ember. Uh, I thought that was really neat. Yeah. What, 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 what was the document that you read again? What was that? Um, the oh. document I read is, um, so, so Ember has this concept of uh, RFCs, uh, I guess, request for comments. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. And um, anybody can submit an RFC uh, to Ember or the Ember project. And this one particular one was, was submitted by uh, Tom Dale. Mm -hmm. But then these two guys, like I said, Dan Gebhardt and Robert Jackson, they actually implemented an add-on that provides this functionality from this RFC. So that's cool. out now, and he gave a talk. I saw that on Twitter. He gave a talk sometime this month, I think in Boston. Mm -hmm. so they introduced that. I thought that was pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, I really like... I mean, this is, this is again, one of those examples that show how much... Um, how much they're focused on really app development and how much they also and how many actual big web apps ember web apps uh, web apps are out there 
and fr from which they learn and also they themselves building they're building a a big web app and um <clears throat> Yeah, I don't think that there's any other JavaScript framework or project that really considers any of this uh, to that depth. Yeah. And as Ember grows, it just gets like more and more of these kind of considerations, like like lazy loading or splitting up your application and being able to to work on um isolated parts um without any problems. That's definitely something that uh every big application at some point will um will need and um, yeah. it's it's great to just build it into the framework to just figure out the best way to do it and then everybody does it the same way as it always is with ember and um yeah it just sort of i don't know i mean it's uh, obviously i like ember <laughs> this is the thing i chose but it just it shows me that you know they're thinking about the hard problems and they're trying to solve them and, and I don't think that this is necessarily something that I mean I don't know if what percentage of, of applications or of companies would use this I have no idea but um, they're willing to put in that work and they see see the need for it and then they go ahead and solve it so thanks very cool mm, I think I mean they've been talking about this last year beginning of last year already um, about I don't know if it was called Ember Engines yet but they were talking about the concept of splitting up an application and having different teams working of, on different parts of the application kind of putting it together yep. and uh, I think this is a this is a huge concern I think this is I think Ember is definitely one of the I mean I really said this like Uh, there's a bunch of big companies that, or companies that make big applications with it, and they're they're communicating with the core team and amongst each other, and they talk about it on conference and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't kind of, I don't really feel like there's any other JavaScript community where where that is the case, and where you where there's even where they're even really talking about these kind of things in that kind of. At, you know like in that kind of um context you mm -hmm. know like in the yeah. like ember is really the only framework that 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 repeatedly um makes developing an a big application and the, and uh, like the subject of 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 their problem solving and um and they're trying to cater to to those teams and i think this is this is really interesting it kind of also speaks for you know how far along they are because a lot of those um examples when you look at other frameworks a lot of the the the, the stuff that is discussed out in the open or the the community is discussing is is kind of the a problems that are more in more immediate when you start building an application and it's still small or it's a prototype. Yeah, when it's in its like infancy that. that's sort of the exactly the, the, yeah yeah the feeling i get and these are yeah. like Okay, after two years or three years, now you have this, you know, you want to not have a mess on your hands and you have to, you have to continue to, to maintain this, this thing because it, you know, you might have a whole business running on it and it needs to go. Yeah. So now it's the next step and, and, you know, they continuously do this kind of thing with like, you know, the, uh, the basically, you know, making the upgrade path easy. These are also <coughs> concerns for long lived, software that that need to be solved and they're trying to solve them and i think that's really cool yeah absolutely yeah 
it it it's interesting how so when you when we, when you were talking about this and I was thinking about it it and also the 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 conference last year the talks and stuff like that just what they what they talked about the subjects they had and kind of their focus on on just kind of solving problems within the framework and just solving stuff away so that people can really concentrate on building the application and and making making it possible and feasible and and easier to build big applications kind of it gives me every time when i hear that or when i hear them talk about it or just you talking about it i get this i get a very specific feeling it's very mm -hmm. interesting it's really just like a feeling and yeah. that feeling is like it it's like it's calming me down you know what exactly I mean? it's it's like they um are you know cuz cuz i think this is a somebody that's developed um, apps, not just web apps, but software in general, is usually a lot longer lived than you originally would assume. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I wrote, you know, this dinky little web app back in 2003. It ran for 10 years on, you know, PHP 4. I would have never thought, but it was a core part of, or it was solving a, a really big problem in the business, mm -hmm. and it didn't make any sense to rewrite it. I had to maintain it, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and with with companies basically, you know, writing large parts of their internal um, apps, maybe with this, they will have to maintain them for years to come. And yeah. um, I, I just get the feeling that this team thinks about those kinds of problems. You don't hear that from from anywhere else. I at least I think you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think um, you have it. It's it's being addressed somewhat um in a very different way in this whole react um and uh flux or axes world because the, the the whole point of introducing flux to the world or or saying like okay here's the here's the view here's the react layer the view layer and and then ha use an ux <laughs> kind mm -hmm. of yeah. pattern uh to solve the rest ha has a lot to do with making has a lot to do with maintainability because it it keeps it keeps basically keeps the clarity in your application alive like how how do things happen even if the app grows and, and and gets really big you still you can you can dive into a feature and you can follow the path of how the data is flowing or how an action or an event is you know, changing the UI or whatever. Um, but it's a different, it's a totally different feeling, of course. It's it's not, it's just like, okay, here, here's the flex, here's the thing, you know, and then you're on your own. And it, with Ember, it just feels like they're really like trying to go deep and really kind of take, take a lot of work off of your hands because mm -hmm. it's all baked into the framework, of course. Yeah. And, or is an add-on or whatever, right? So, yeah, that's always... <clears throat> It is always very impressive to hear about those uh, things. I'm very excited about what's uh, about the next Ember Con conf. Yeah, I want to go videos. so bad. <laughs> it's uh, one day you will. You yeah, will one day I'll go. <laughs> Maybe when you just to feed off the energy, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, but it's it's coming up soon, isn't it? Yeah, it's. In, I think it's in March. It's real. It's very soon. Yeah. 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 Yeah, All cool. Right. What else is happening? 
what else is happening? So uh, I did a, finally got the comment. So I, I commented, I didn't, did I talk about this last time? I commented all the code in the to-do MVC uh, cycle JS example. Yes, you said, you said that. Yeah, so so um, the uh, Andre Stoltz, who's the author of Cycle, he had us a few more things uh, that he wanted changed or or corrected. So I did that uh, last, uh, yeah, I think this week or whenever that was, a few days ago, anyways, and it finally got merged into uh, the the to do MVC uh, app itself, and it's That's now awesome. yeah, it's really cool, <laughs> and. Um, uh, yeah, and it was really, it was really, uh, was very interesting to uh, to do that, and I really got a much better understanding about this, um, about how how it all works. It's uh, it's very interesting, even though the the app is very simple, because um, it's just a to do app, as we know. It is, it has some very interesting little patterns in there <clears throat> about how. Um, about how basically the data is flowing and the the kind of the the, the intention of the user uh, because it, the intention of the user in in cycle.js is is modeled via the uh, rxjs streams so any any action a user can take on a to-do item or on the to-do list is basically an observable stream of you know events that the user can do like toggle you know all the completed apps, watch eh, all the completed um, uh, items, or you know filter. Just show the the ones that are not that are not completed, or or when you when you uh, cross off, check off an item and stuff like that. All this, like all of these kind of events, they're all streams. And then you have the and then you this this app is basically split up in two components. One main component, with, which is the whole list. And there, there, uh, you know, it, there's intent from the user that can be, um, uh, or there, there's like actions the user can take on the list, and then you have the uh, the uh, list items, which are also components by themselves, and the user can do stuff with those, right? So, and then you have, and because it's so, it's those are nested together, so. So of course the the main component, the list has all those items that nested in itself in itself basically, and um, and then the intent streams basically need to be passed on the intent streams from all those items. They need to be passed on to the to the list component, and then the list component merges all that together with its. Um, with the intents that can be, or the 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 actions that can be taken on the list itself, and that goes gets put into the model, and then model function, and that the data is transformed or or kind of uh, prepared for for uh, putting it in, into the DOM, and then it gets put in the DOM in the view. And so, and so, but in order to to do those. To kind of get those int intents from the items up into the list, you have to use like a little proxy observable and all this kind of stuff. So I, it's really hard to just explain it without the code. But it's it's uh, so when I was reading the code, I really had problems to understand that. And but that's a really, I mean, that's the best way to do it, right? Is to yeah. 
to try to document or comment it, which is essentially trying to explain it to someone else or yourself. Yeah, exactly. And so that's that's an awesome way to, to and, learn it. Yeah, and I, I really had to I had to delete a bunch of stuff, uh, a bunch of comments, um, because so Andre was was your own or the previous ones? No, my my comments okay. that I made because some of those were not really adding any value because I was really kind of just telling myself step by not step. Own, so yeah. now here I'm calling this function and then this is, goes in here. And and basically I was describing exactly what the code mm-hmm. was already describing basically yeah. by itself. So a lot of that just needed to be taken but out. But is it, is it the code? Is it code that maybe, you know, newer people wouldn't understand for some reason or is it totally obvious? You no, know, it's 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 it was obvious, but for okay. me personally, just stepping through all the different, mm-hmm. you know, just stepping through the code and reading it, it was really good to basically tell what's happening to myself yeah. by writing it down. Yeah, and um, but there was still, I mean, most of it, most of it was left in there because a, a lot of what I wrote just explained the purpose of mm-hmm. what was the code and yeah. that that did add value so cool yeah. so this is the the cycle js to do mvc app is that merged into like the whole isn't there like this whole site of to do mvcs or how does that work i can't remember i haven't been there in a long time yeah you can you can p you can pr send a pr for uh, to the official to do mvc site okay and uh once once um andres Andre Stoltz tweeted out that the code is commented. He also got that request that somebody that 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 they finally kind of uh, put it into the to do MVC project. But uh, so far, I don't know what he wants. What he, he said, it's you know like I don't know, it's not ready yet or something oh, okay. like that. I didn't really know yeah. what the what the deal is. I mean, it totally works and it looks like the like like uh, I mean, it's it uses the same CSS and stuff and, and, and HTML and looks like it's supposed to look. Mm-hmm. I don't know what is missing in order to uh, to send the PR, but so far it's it's not going to be done. So uh, how how big is this Cycle JS project in general? I mean, how, like how many contributors are there at this <clears throat> point? I mean, I don't know well, if there is anybody else really besides Andres Stoltz uh-huh. because um, the Cycle JS project itself is basically just um so, so when it comes to the core of cycle js um, it's just a it's just a hundred and something lines of code and um it it's basically basically just orchestrating the rxjs Ah, stuff that you're using right Mm -hmm. because it's built on top of rxjs and then it also um it kind of follows um, specific paradigms that come from functional programming, where you uh, you keep the the side effects on the outs on the sides, basically, so to speak, of the application um, outside of the app, basically, and that's done via. There's different methods to do that in Elm, for instance. It's called I think it's called ports. And in uh, CycleJS, they're called drivers, and it's just uh, it's just basically functions that um, that take care of um, once once you have once you have kind of taken care like in your app, and once you have taken care of of the data flow and transformed the data in whichever way you want to transform it, for instance, and you want to pass it on to the DOM. You um, you pass it on into a 
um, it's called a sink basically and it gets it gets passed out to the dom driver and then the dom driver is what actually does the writing to the dom and the diffing and all this kind of stuff and 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 uh everything else that is a side effect like reading from a database or reading from local storage or writing to a database and all this kind of stuff is all is kind of held outside in those in those uh in those uh driver functions and uh And so you focus, so you keep the the actual business logic and, and if, of your app completely function as much as possible, functional, functional, functionally pure, mm -hmm. and and um, and in a CycleJS app, you're really just handling streams, really, and, okay. and you're really not doing anything else. And so the the contribution that you made before for the I think it was a local storage driver, right? Mm -hmm. Is that is that like a separate component that's not part of core? Yeah, exactly. That's not okay. part of core and also the DOM driver and the HTTP driver um to make requests to a server and stuff. They're all um they're all official drivers they belong to the project but they're different repositories and and i think as far as i know I, i didn't look at it really but the dom driver as far as i know is pretty is is pretty large when it comes mm -hmm. to, to the amount of code that it needs but it uses it builds on other projects for instance uh, for the whole dom diffing and stuff it uses virtual dom um, although they want to change to a different one, which is apparently faster or whatever, so it, the the the, um, the project is actually called Virtual DOM. It's it's not a Virtual DOM. It's the Virtual DOM. Okay. Project. And uh, it's a it's it does a little. It's basically doing. Uh, it's it's just the Virtual DOM feature of React JS or something like that. So it does the diffing of of um, the dom and then updates it um only basically updates only the parts that you need you need uh, to update whenever you mm -hmm. give it you know a piece of uh, dom that you want to write to the dom yeah yeah um yeah but i'm i mean i'm not i'm not at all an expert i'm i'm really i really enjoy it and i'm just um i'm trying to do in my free time, I'm trying to do a little bit more um, every now and then whenever I can and uh, and build a few, some little things. Also, the CycleConf cycle is coming up, and I'm, which is, is going to be really tiny, and I'm trying to maybe, um, pr I'm trying to propose a talk that I could do maybe and see if cool. I can go talk there that would be really cool yeah i mean this is um it's very interesting because if it's still a small project and it has you know big potential and you start contributing very early on that could be very interesting where that leads yeah i don't know but this <laughs> but it's definitely i think it's it's somehow it's the first um project that i'm so kind of strongly attracted to and mm -hmm. i think it comes from from the whole rxjs um stuff i really really enjoy working with the streams and thinking in those streams and kind of modeling ui yeah uh, stuff with streams and um and i think that and and then also what 
so I like that. And then on top of that, Cycle.js makes it even kind of, you know, abstracts away, gives you a little bit of a framework, basically. And it also comes with a little pattern. And it gives you this way to just, to, to when it comes to the business logic and, and, the, and the heart of the app, basically, just you're just thinking about those streams. You're not thinking about RxJS. How do you, you know, like how do you kind of create an observable from an event or whatever it, within the cycle GS app? It's all just now, you know, it's just streams happening and you can, you can orchestrate them and transfer and transform data and stuff like that. And that's really, for some reason that really just speaks to me and really attracts me. Yeah. That's just, very cool. Uh, nice. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Having pull requests accepted is just is awesome, anyway. So. Yeah, that's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, to get that to GitHub email and says no, exactly. It's like, hey. <laughs> Puts a smile on your face. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. 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 So over the weekend, I listened to. Um, I just sort of listened in on the on the periphery because there was lots going on here. But um, there is the. Um, the Ember Global Meetup is still going strong, and it's actually becoming more and more uh, interesting. Uh, they have all kinds of uh, speakers. Really, it's the top speakers or top people in the community. And uh, one talk that really interested me um, in particular was um, it was by uh, Brian Cartarella, I think. He's... Um, one of the founding members at Dockyard, which is an Ember consultancy. Mm-hmm. And actually, they used to be a Rails consultancy. And I find this a really interesting story, too. So they did um, pretty much entirely all Rails, um, I guess, years ago. And then they discovered Ember. So first, they built only Rails apps. They were really good at it. And, you know, that was the way to build things. And then they discovered Ember and saw the potential there. So they adopted that very, very early on. And they actually, uh, I think they hired Robert Jackson, whom I spoke about earlier. He's uh, he's like the Mr. Um, release manager uh, for Ember. And he also, he builds stuff like crazy. He has his repository, his GitHub repo, or GitHub page is insane. There's so many repos for Ember stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so they, they adopted uh, Ember really early on, and they started building backends in Rails and um, frontends entirely in ember so they, they did the split and then what they started to um you know discover is that i guess for some things rails maybe didn't scale well enough um there wasn't there wasn't the, the performance wasn't there so they started looking around and they found this thing called the phoenix framework and um basically phoenix is a framework built on elixir mm. and elixir runs on the erlang vm and i don't know all the specifics, um, you know, on how it all works. But from what I understand, Erlang is like really, really, really old and uh, it does absolutely amazing things. Um, you know, it was used in the telco industry, basically where, you know, things cannot go down. They have to run. So they have this concept that is now being talked about again um, about, you know, hot swappable code, basically. Mm-hmm. You, you reload the app while it's running or you swap out code. Uh, you know, and this was done, you know, decades ago, I guess. And um, so I think Elixir is, is basically builds on top of that, but has a nicer syntax and it runs on the Erlang VM. And then there now there is this Phoenix framework that these guys are 
sort of, again, betting their business on. But what I found really interesting was the, the performance um, gains that he talked about. Mm. So, you know, just like people going from, or companies going from, um, you know, I'm not beating on Rails or anything, but, you know, multiple Rails servers for API backends or something, and then they go to, like, a single Go instance, and it, you know, it handles that with, without, you know, you know, any problem whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I guess the same thing is true for, for Elixir or Phoenix, mm-hmm. where they can build these, you know, massively scalable um, backend applications. And they had the, I don't have the numbers in my head right now, but they had, like, some ridiculous amount of WebSockets they could run off of a single server. Hmm. I think it was two... Two million, something crazy. I mean, it was nuts, wow. you know, on a single <laughs> instance of this thing, where you know any other, you know, scripting language would die probably. Mm-hmm. So this is like some serious stuff, and uh, I found it interesting because it's you know I, I guess obviously API stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. um, I haven't looked at it in depth at all. But that's something that's sort of on my radar. I'm really really interested in. Hmm. Have you heard of it at all? Well, I've heard about um, Elixir and Phoenix. I've also heard okay. uh, somewhere. I don't know in because because and, and and I've all, always heard it. I think from a kind of Rails kind of mm-hmm. context or environment, or yeah. like a podcast with Rails people or something like that. Right. And even uh, so, I was at Munich JS um, last week. I think yeah. And um, there was, there were also, there was, uh, there were those two guys that were, they gave a talk, it was like an intro to Ember, and they are from a company called Simple Labs, oh, uh, yeah. which is in uh, Munich, and they mm-hmm. said, we do Ember, Rails, and Elixir. Uh-huh. <laughs> a little bit of Elixir, I think, yeah, they said. Yeah. And it's all, it's so interesting, because it's like, um because those Rails shops um, or, you know, people that kind of have companies that work with Rails, when they do JavaScript, they mostly do Ember. Mm-hmm. And if they want something with more performance, they mostly do Elixir, apparently. That yeah. has become kind of a trend and like a buzzword in the kind <laughs> of the Rails world. And yeah, because like- it seems like both, you know, obviously... Ember and maybe even Phoenix, you know, are quite nicely aligned with the same kind of concepts that Rails people are familiar with. So Phoenix is also a convention of a configuration? Or? I don't know that for sure, but it's, you know, it's like highly productive, highly productive web framework with, you know, ridiculous speed. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming that there's similar concepts there. I'll have to I'll read up on it and see. Mm. But um yeah, I mean it's just these uh super interesting. I found it interesting that they and he he essentially said this. He's he's betting entire his entire business on this, you know, and it's mm-hmm. something that to me is still very, very much on on the periphery. I mean I don't, I don't hear a lot of people talking about Erlang and Elixir and doing stuff like that except for you know maybe um i think he mentioned whatsapp you know that's really big in europe it's a u.s company though yeah. but they they run um i think they run this thing on elixir because of performance um so they have that insane amount of sockets open and they run that with 
comparatively minimal hardware, you know. That's insane. Yeah. Huh. Yep. So I found that that was uh, an interest. That was the only talk I listened to. I was I was like waiting for that one just to see what he had to say about that because uh, hmm. I had heard blurbs about it here and there, but nothing nothing too much in depth. And he was very, um, you know, high level, um, just kind of like mm-hmm. what I just described. But yeah. Really so cool. is this global meetup? Are those talks available after or is it? Yeah, are they-, they are. Um, they're recorded. Um, I, I'll, I'll find, find the links and put them in the show notes, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's sort of like, you know, as along the same style of, um, uh, maybe, you know, Ember, New York city with the caliber of speakers, you know, it's always the, um, the core contributors and things like that. So very cool. It's cool. Yeah. But also new people and, and or people I haven't heard of, which doesn't mean that they're they're not known, but it's not like it's a, sort of an elitist club or anything like that. But uh, how, ma- how many people are attending? Um, last one I saw it was like over a hundred, uh, but I'm sure it's more than that by now hmm. because they moved to a different platform. They moved to uh, Big Marker or something like that, and uh, it's it's pretty nice. Nice. But the problem is, is they do it on a, on a Saturday. So, hmm. um, which for most people is not a problem, but for me with kids, it is a problem and it's yeah. right, right around like six, seven o'clock at night. So that totally doesn't work, you know, hmm. Hmm. unfortunately, but still, I'm, I'm glad they do it. It's another resource that's available. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So there was a little bit of a stir up yesterday and also today because uh, <laughs> the uh, CycleJS author Andre Stoltz he said that a React was bad. Ooh, <laughs> on <Twitter>. Ooh. <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. So so, uh, so when he a lot of. Uh, in a joking way, or or was he serious? No, he's serious, he but to. it's not it's not as harsh as it sounds. And he wrote like this amazing blog post explaining exactly what he means. Okay, and uh, we'll just link to that. But uh, the thing is, like the, the, his language on Twitter can be a little bit crass, <laughs> and he like and he's. Uh, and I mean, he just—I mean, it was like he—he he stuck, uh, you know, like a, like a stick into a bee's nest or something like that when he said that, basically, because he because he's known also now uh, in the kind of React community and and uh, Dan Abramov was the Redux author. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's paying a lot of attention to CycleJS and. Um, uh, yeah, and there was, and, and I don't know, like Ryan Florence, who who you maybe also know from the yeah, Ember yeah. Times, when, when he was to with, React, yeah. yeah, he went around to React, and he was he got kind of pissed off at at uh, <laughs> at um and Andre kind of saying that. But and was uh, it was that a sort of a clickbaity title, and did he have something mm-hmm. substantial to say? Or, or so, so how I understood it, he was he he said that uh, there were a couple of tweets where he was kind of talking about that he has to, um, uh, that, so he has to work with React and Redux because he had to do something with um, React Native. So he's building okay. some sort of an app, uh, like an iOS app, 
and um and he has to and but and he he is working on cycle native so that you can do basically the same thing that you can do ah. with react native okay. but cycle native is not it's it's still in progress and it's not ready yet because there is something called the navigator um, I guess it's like some sort of iOS module or kind of inter something that needs to communicate with React with your React native native or Cycle native thing. Or I have no idea. I just was. I just saw it. Basically, that's all the information I have from the tweets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the na but the the navigator is something. There's also in React native the navigator is not or communication with the navigator is not well solved yet it's kind of hacky and stuff like that but but um so that was basically the reason why he had to be working with react native and while he was doing that he kind of um felt like um it's not as good a cycle hmm. because and that's what he specified then in in a long blog post which is which is well written i think and he really makes his points very well and he's not being um like a jerk about it, it yeah a jerk about it or mm -hmm. he's also not really saying that react is bad period but what he is comparing is something that he calls paradigm ergonomy is it ergonomy or Er, yeah, er, ergonomy. <laughs> er, ergonomy. I think it's ergonomy. So paradigm ergonomy. And what he, as far as I understand, what he means by that is kind of the ratio between how much you have to type um, and compared to how much you're really working on the feature. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. A, that's not a very well... Well, how much good way code to say you have it. to write? How much code you have to write? Like, how much do you really work on the feature, and how much are you actually wiring up stuff and writing boilerplate? Uh, boilerplate stuff, yeah, uh -huh. right. And so, 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 so this is the thing. Like, he's not saying React is bad um, because compared to like other frameworks or older frameworks or whatever, it's it's great, right? Like, and you're also doing like you're doing, you have virtual DOM, you have like, you, you have this kind of a functional kind of functionally kind of way of thinking about the UI. Like it's just a state goes into a function and then UI comes out on the other side. That's the same thing that he, that also cycle does sort of, and also what Elm does. And he was also talking about Elm because he is the cycle author. So he said, I'm not going to talk about cycle so much. I'm going to compare it to Elm a little because he's, he's also an Elm fan basically. Mm -hmm. And um, and and Redux is also the Redux architecture is basically the same as the Elm architecture, although as far as I know it hasn't been copied from Elm. It's just by chance that it is similar. Mm -hmm. And but Elm has kind of because um, I'm just going to talk about it very roughly. I just encourage everybody to go and read this blog post because it's very interesting. But he basically says that. Um, in Elm, the, the the architecture Elm is built in a way so the architecture comes naturally to the language, basically. And and in um, in Redux with React, um, the architecture needs a lot of boilerplate because of the 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 paradigm basically that is built into React. And um, 
And so, so basically, um, his argument is basically only that you, yeah, you have to, you just have to type too much. Let's let, at the end of the day, in order to create a feature, mm -hmm. because it just takes a lot of boilerplate. And with with cycling with Elm, you just you just more you more you just spend more time, more of your time, really actually writing the feature. And is that because React was written before, um, you know, Flux and all that stuff, and it wasn't really done with that in mind but it's still flexible enough to use it but you have to wire it up whereas cycle has you know maybe well cycle has uses um just uses uh, rxjs streams okay. so and that's and 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 he kind of figured out a way figured out a way how to just make um to, to make handling those streams as effective as possible so you mm -hmm. can really just concentrate on exactly what is happening in the app and you're just merging streams or filtering them or whatever and mm -hmm. and you you transform data and you're just working on you're always kind of just working on those intense streams that come from the user and you and you push them out and you put you transform something you put it out to the dom that's like the simplest way of explaining it basically mm -hmm. and there is no boilerplate around that so there's nothing you need. You don't need to pass a stream to some function that then passes to something else in order to to create some some unidirectional data flow or anything like that. Mm -hmm. the, the data flow is always unidirectional because you always have those input streams that come from the user and you pass them out again to this DOM driver, and you just do that all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of so that's kind of built into how this framework is. It's that's how it is basically. And you don't have to, whenever you write a feature, you don't have to think about, you don't have to write any extra code besides really, I what is the intent? And it's the intent is always some kind of like an event stream that comes from the user clicking or typing or something, and and then you and okay, so this event comes in. What do I need to do with it in order to 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 uh, update DUI? I need to change, transform some some data that's coming with this event, like the payload payload a payload that maybe comes with this event, or I need to um, to to take a different um, data stream, maybe some data that I took from from local storage or something like that, and have to merge it together with that and then put it out into the DOM or whatever. Like, and you just really like working on always working on the data stream and transforming the the data and just then putting it into the dom and you're not thinking about anything else basically right. <clears throat> and it's apparently with elm it's similar i've never mm -hmm. used elm so i don't know how exactly yeah. all this stuff works um and i just found this interesting because it's it's kind of a discussion on such a uh different level you know because he he obviously does not think that React is inherently bad or is like it's black and white. Like React is bad, those are good. Because also in the in the blog post he's also talking about, you know, that there are many factors um that can lead that that can sway a decision for a framework. And some sometimes it can be important for you and your business to look at the community and see is the community big, you know, is there um is there um is there like a big company behind it? Is there, you know, just lots of, you know, add-ons or code or whatever out there? And and um, 
different things like that or and one of the one of the one of the factors that can interest you that might interest you um in a framework is this kind of uh paradigm ergonomy uh -huh. <laughs> ergonomy um <laughs> how he calls it <laughs> the paradigm ergonomy where it is really about just um how much like which framework gives me basically the best kind of trade-off when it comes to code, writing code and actually working on features right what is the best which one has the best kind of relation yeah. there and that's how i understood it at least and uh so so that was very interesting and it was very so and uh yeah but there was uh, some more drama today where there were people kind of criticizing his tone on twitter and stuff like that but i think it was all resolved and everybody likes <laughs> Is everybody, happy. <laughs> everybody, is all, it's all good and it's it's great. I mean, it's it's, yeah. just, it's like it's very civil. Everything's yeah. fine, and um, cool. yeah. But I really, I, I really um, enjoyed reading this blog post, and it is interesting to get this um, this different perspective on React because React has become very popular, and Redux also very popular, and uh, and Flux and everything. And I think for me personally, I think this is, um, it is a great, it is a big step and a, it was, it's a great influence uh, for the whole JavaScript community and it all, and it lifts it up. For Be sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because just like Flux, Redux, and this like re-render all the time that also Ember now incorporated and Angular is also incorporating the virtual DOM and stuff like that. And they even have the observable streams and stuff like all those kind of functional paradigms, and and this one directional data flow that that gives clarity that immediately brings cl clarity into your application, uh, and if you do it right, it doesn't matter how big it gets, you still have clarity about your features. That is so important, and it's such an important thing that happened, because basically even with Ember and Angular. And everybody else and backbone and stuff like that. There was no recipe about how how do we deal with our components in the application? Like yeah. how do we deal with the events and the data that's coming in? And how do we like it was it was chaos basically. And yeah. and these ideas kind of brought in some some structure and we kind of all all the frameworks and the community kind of they're all kind of agreeing upon yes, this is better. And it's mm -hmm. like 10x better. It's not just like a little better, right? Yeah. This yeah. this makes us reason about the application. It, it, it makes e it makes it easier to reason about the application and what happens and about the features and everything. And and so so we all leveled up. And basically, what what uh, what Andre Andre is also what he also wanted to say. Or I don't know if he said it in the article, but he said on Twitter, I think, um, was that. This is great, but we shouldn't stop here because we're not, it's not even like, even cycle, you know, is not good enough or something like that. Like, so he's yeah. very ambitious and he wants to find even better solutions and even better and, and, and stuff like that. And, and that's what he also said. So that he's very critical with himself as well. So when he says React is bad, it's not something, it's, it's nothing malicious because he always, 
you know, because he even says like his cycle code in the beginning was bad or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like that. But of course, on Twitter, when it's out of context and you don't know the person, you don't know how they talk normally yeah, yeah. or to themselves even and stuff like that, you just don't have that context. And then it, it, of course, especially if there's a big passionate community about something, they get a little bit offended. Yeah. Or, or hurt. That, that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there was a, Little interesting uh, storm, right. <laughs> storm going on. on <laughs> yeah, it's cool. No, but I really recommend this article. It's very interesting. All right, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I I um I had those two things. That's about it for this week for me. Do you have cool. anything else? Um, do I have anything else? Uh, I don't think so. I can't think okay. of anything else. So those were the. We'll wrap it up. Yeah. Okay. We'll wrap it up. Um, we have some people. Oh yes, quite a few are, don't we? Yeah, we have a bunch of people to shout out. Um, so, new in the React Slack chat, which is um, which is a great place, by the way, and you know everybody should uh, join into the fun. What was happening? Were you in the Slack chat recently? Um, I was observing stuff saw things go by. Um, there's a lot of people asking for, for advice on all sorts of things. The latest thing I just saw, somebody asking, you know, and for advice on decent headsets. So yeah. to do video yeah, conferencing. Yeah. So if you need information like that, there's people here that know. <laughs> and, oh, uh, it's about re uh, a good headset for video conference, uh, conferencing and listening to music. Yes, yeah, yes, specific. yes. And then I think... Um, Yeah, just a few days ago, I think the same person, Jeff, uh, wanted to know, um, you know, if anybody had interviewed with uh, with Facebook, and uh, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. I happened to know someone, and I hooked him up in the back channels. Oh, cool! So <laughs> hopefully, he got his questions answered there. Yeah, um, yeah, he didn't want to speak in public because he doesn't want to have it known that he's on the on the look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So yeah, and, and what else did we have? We had. Um, Things about jobs. We talked about that last time, I think. I don't know what was new this mm -hmm. week. But there's a lot going on. It comes in spurts. It's like some yeah. days it's totally quiet, and then all of a sudden I, I open up Slack, and there's like 69 new messages. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I think cool. Silas had like a weird thing with a bus where he had to... Um, Where he had to wait, he, he wanted to take a bus from I don't know where to Düsseldorf and um, um, from a different city to Düsseldorf, and he had to wait in the cold at two o'clock in the morning oh, for like crap. three hours, <laughs> or something oh. like that. So it was like two o'clock in the morning when he put when he wrote it to the Slack channel. He was like, "Ah, my bus is late." Well, <laughs> <laughs> this He's looking for comfort. <laughs> and then the next morning, I was like, "Wow! I hope you you arrived um, safe and stuff." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm still yeah. on the bus, man. <laughs> You're still on the bus. He said, I'm just gonna arrive like at 10 something. Crazy. Yeah, that was funny. Anyway, so shout out to um, us, Ace Lansky. He is uh, actually an ex colleague of mine. He 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 was a freelancer at eTexture, which is uh, the company oh. I worked before worked at before uh so cool to see him in there i think he also came from the descriptive chat because i think he was there today as well as uh ninarian ninarian who also come, came from the descriptive chat today and then there is a uh, chat xz who who basically said uh we're talking so much about the slack channel on the episodes that he, <laughs> he, he had just to come <laughs> 
you felt compelled to come. So shout out to ChatXZ. Well, and I feel like it's it's a really big part of the the podcast now. And yeah, it's, it's, really it's cool. almost so, like we always recap, yeah. you know, yeah. the highlights. Just great. Yeah. And then there's also uh, Berkeley True who has joined recently. So shout right. out to Berkeley True, who I've I, I, I've seen on Twitter a bunch of times already. Yeah. I think. Well, hello and welcome to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. We don't have any new reviews this week. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, anyone who's listening and hasn't done so yet, and if you like the show, please do take a few minutes and leave us a review. Um, if you like it, that would be wonderful to leave us that information. But also, if you have something to, I don't know, suggest or or constructively criticize, we would like to hear that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. You can just go to the show notes. Uh, Khalil will give you the link there in a second. Uh, basically, at the bottom are all the links to the various um, accounts and how to get into the Slack channel as well, and also a link to go and leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, so if you have a few minutes, we would really appreciate it. And uh, that's it for me for this week. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm H. Glattergotts on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm Khalil Tweets on Twitter. We are Reactive Pod on Twitter as a podcast. And also, you can find the show notes at reactive.audio uh, on the internets. And what did I forget? Nothing. I think that's it. That's it? Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Bye. Bye.